Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn. I'm the mystery ish <laughs> Justin. Yeah. I was going with Mr. E this time. Oh, okay, okay. But it's okay. Oh, you stopped. So, yeah. Mr. E. Oh, okay. Ah. Uh, you're done there. Yeah. Okay. No, Justin, just Mr. E. You're done. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> I'm the. I'm feeling Froggy J. Froggy J. And I'm the Skonky Emily. Oh, my gosh. It's like a radio team. <laughs> and together we make Crips of the Corn podcast. Your guides through all things cryptid and paranormal through the Midwest, Appalachia. Even though we really don't stick to those. <laughs> it's okay. We got big enough. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That's where we started. Mm-hmm. We always got to stick to our roots. Guys, uh, this week's episode is the f- uh, it's first of its kind. It is an Emily written and directed episode. Woo-woo. So go ahead, Em. Okay. Tell, tell everybody what it's about. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. Um, we're going to talk about what is a cryptid. Okay. Talk about cryptozoology itself, and then we're going to wrap up with the squawk. So, yeah. So, why do you want to do this episode like this? Because um, I feel like people just kind of throw in cryptid stuff, but maybe they don't really grasp what a cryptid is. Right. On the whole, what or cryptid whole, encompasses. Yeah. And then, like, they don't know. There's, like, a whole zoological... Thing for it. All right, sounds good. And then the squat because I love the squat. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think a cryptid is? Uh, don't ask me because I know. Well, hey, I don't know the basic definition, so I'm gonna take a swing at it. There you go. It's a maybe a mythical creature, a creature you can't prove exists. Maybe is that is that what? So, or I'll take. Sorry. I was going to say, there's no evidence, a physical evidence of his yeah, existing, the, but... The, the basic definition of cryptid is an animal that is unproven by conventional science or modern biology. Anything like that. So it could be anything from a unicorn to the trilocene. Mm. So the trilocene gets to be a cryptid because it is still believed to be alive, even though conventional science says it's extinct. Okay. Or a unicorn, your mythical creature, is a cryptid because... Once again, it's something that some group of people believed is real, but there's no conventional evidence for. So it's just an animal that science either says, conventional science right now says is either there's no proof for it to exist, or there's proof that it is no longer existing. So are extinct animals cryptids? Yes. You know, if people it, think they're still around. So it, yeah, the uh, the opi is on the international cryptid or cryptozoology banner the opi okay because it is that weird giraffe looking creature yes okay it's the Um, zebra giraffe yeah yeah it's it's a giraffe it's in the giraffe family but it has zebra patterns okay um the natives there had stories about it forever nobody believed them right and they just walked out of the woods one day 
Oh, okay. But by they're large animals, but by their nature, they're incredibly skittish and incredibly shy. Okay. So that kind of helped that a you know two thousand pound herbivore hide a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know ten foot tall was still hiding. Not an easy task, especially mm-hmm. if you have zebra stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're crazy looking. They're wild looking. <laughs> I like them. They're neat animals. They're, yeah, they're definitely. Uh, the giraffe family used to be very, very cool. Still uh, is, you know. Yeah, there's I, just a few of them left. I'm a strong giraffe fan believer. Seven vertebrae. It reminds me as if we were like printing something and then like it ran out of ink. There you go. So what? what's your actual definition do you have? So a cryptid is an animal that has been claimed to exist but has never been proven to exist, contrary to popular belief. These cryptids must have a legend of their own and follow a specific characteristics to be considered classified as a cryptid um the thought of a cryptid began in 1983 oh that recent yeah like like the term maybe the term cryptid itself okay, okay. that makes it still that's kind of because i think they used cryptic uh cryptic species mm. before that it was something like that i do remember that in one of my books i have read that that it's like so maybe it cryptid became its own like category yeah. then mm-hmm. okay cool Oh, yeah, hidden species and stuff like that. That's you still, know. that's very, mo- like, modern, I would say. And we've talked about uh, before, like, for, former cryptids and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, well, like the Everbuild Woodpecker. It's probably our most famous one. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, actually, we've last week, a species of parrot just came back to New Zealand for the first time in, like, 300 years. Oh. They were thought to be extinct. Okay. Well, do you remember what it's called? No, it's... Some crazy name. That's still cool, though. Yeah, they're like, oh, what is that bird? It's like a bird or seen it. It's like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, because it's been dead for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's back, baby. Mm-hmm. They just hide. There's some species are really good at just keeping a really low profile for a long time. Probably wouldn't parrot talking too much in that time. <laughs> New Zealand's the home of the biggest parrot in the world. That's oh, really? They did all the kakapo. Uh-huh. Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kakapo is like 40 pounds. It can't fly. Oh. So it's kind of like it a talk? penguin. They're going extinct. The talk? I don't think so. It's very vocal. Okay. All right. Sorry. Continue. They're right. They're kind of like penguins, aren't they? They kind of look like penguins. Well, uh, penguins can't fly. Yeah. And they're like... Well... New Zealand's the home of flightless birds. Oh, really? Hmm. Dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. The moa was from New Zealand. Oh, wow. Uh, the kiwi... Oh, yep, yep. That lays an egg that's 75% its own body mass. <laughs> that's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. It has to hurt coming out. They're cute. I like them. Mm-hmm. Continue. All right. So, for the guidelines, because I found them to be considered encrypted, um, there's a distribution in anomalies, creatures outside of where they normally live, such as Bigfoot is an example of this. There are... I think you meant like big cats is an example of that for animals that are outside of their normal range. I'm talking about like the distribution of anomalies. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, because like it's everywhere. Animals, yeah. Animals that are outside of their normal range are cryptids. Like Ohio's got tons of kangaroos that are seen. Yeah, which is weird, right? Yeah. You know, there was not too far from us. There was a kangaroo farm. Mm -hmm. We used to go. Oh, really? Yeah, kangaroos, emus, and ostriches. Nice. I don't think they have them anymore, no, though. No, it's closed down. I could take you to where it was. I, I drive by it when I go to Bellefontaine. Yeah, that's where it is. Yep. Grandpa used to take us. He used to know the guy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I'm not the only one that calls it that. 
He's only I, saying that because you called it that. Oh, oh I, no, I, di- I didn't. He's I making just, fun of you. He's just trying to be polite. No, that's not true. <laughs> I just write, like reading it on the signs. Bellefontaine. It's really Bellefontaine, but it's just more fun when you say Bellefontaine. If it's Louisiana, I believe it's Bellefontaine. Yeah, <laughs> or I'm French. I don't that's know. That's Louisiana. Oh, yeah, Cajun. Whatever. Everything down there is French. <laughs> Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, their undescribed, unusual, or outsized variation of known species, like a giant gecko. Okay. Or the giant salamander. Mm-hmm. Dramatic mm-hmm. irony, foreshadowing. I was going to hit a button, but I didn't know which one. We don't have a dramatic irony yeah. button. <laughs> Jazz music. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are survivals of recently extinct species, such as the thylacines. Mm-hmm. Um, there's survivals of species known only from the fossil records into modern times, like Mochelia membe. Ah. Coelacanth. And the coelacanth, correct. That's, yeah. the, that's the famous one. Um, there are animals not known from the fossil records, but related to known species. Um, and then there's animals not known from the fossil records, nor related to any species, like the Crawfordsville monster. And which we covered in one of our in our atmospheric jellyfish episode. Yep, a little callback. Mm-hmm. So, that's part of what's cryptid mm-hmm. and the guidelines to be considered decrypted. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about that? I mean, I'm comfortable with it. It's just pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, it makes I'm curious about what point in time were these creatures, I guess, gone. To where we, we consider them a cryptid now. You it's know? weird to think about like dragons and stuff like yeah. that. Or even unicorns. I'll just use that for an example. Well, I told you what unicorns were. Well, a horned rhino or something? Yeah, they were seriously a thin... Uh, it wasn't like bulky like a mm-hmm. woolly rhino, but it was a cousin of the woolly rhino that had one horn that they think survived up until... Uh, I can't remember. It's within like the last 5,000 years or so. So just legends of a horse right. that has a horn. It was there in the area... I'm 100% sure that's what a unicorn was. There's a bunch of old maps, too, and old paintings that depict unicorns. On yeah, mm-hmm. and it's hard to tell with that kind of stuff because they put real animals and they put stuff they've only heard about in legends in that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell. Right, what's real what's, or not. You know. But, yeah, you never know. The his- history's a weird one. History's weird. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. But I think there's always that nugget, like like the uh, the woolly rhino cousin. For the unicorn. Mm-hmm. There's always something mm-hmm. there that started that. Humans aren't very creative. Right. So there's always... They can exaggerate to where it's now this beautiful white horse that has all these magical powers. Now, it was a big rhino with one horn that had a bad attitude. That's magical. Mm-hmm. It was magical because it would throw you 50 feet in the <laughs> exactly, air. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Because originally unicorns weren't like how we modernly depict them. Right, they weren't nice creatures. There's the magic. You're standing here, well, and now that's you're tossed. How they were in Harry Potter. Right, yeah, they're not they nice. They weren't nice creatures. Mm, okay, they're nothing to mess around with. So maybe some truth there. Original folklore said they were nothing to mess around with. Yeah, that's why killing one was so, uh, like high desired for their their body parts were supposed to be so powerful and for their stuff. Hair mm. too. Mm-hmm. Because to get it took a lot. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a horse you were just walking up to and pulling something off it. Right. Yeah. You're gonna get yeeted mm-hmm. 50 yards. I don't know by a horn it's or a like kick. It's like a land narwhal. Mm. Yeah. All right. What do you got next? Um. What is cryptozoology? So it's the study in itself of those creatures. Yeah. 
It's, a, it's the non-scientific study as of now because it's not a actual field of science in mainstream views uh, because there's no accreditation with it is really the this, this step off. But a lot of our stuff we have accreditations for now, every field of biology we work with now started by a person that was not accredited in that. Yeah. It was all like Troutman wasn't accredited. Uh, there's a couple other guys. That's the fish guy in Ohio, the okay. big guy uh, that did a lot for fish surveying for the world. I lived here in Ohio. And his last name was? Troutman. Not spelled like a trout. Oh, okay. Uh, it's spelled like trot. Like okay, okay. Troutman. That's too good. Yeah, but I'm sure he wanted it pronounced trout. <laughs> I'm sure he would too. Like uh, Joe Theismann. You know who he is, a football player? Mm, not really, but... Old, I forget when he played, 70s, 80s, but in college, supposedly his last name was pronounced Theismann. But he changed his pronunciation to Theismann, so it rhymed thighs. with Heisman. Oh, I thought he because he just had big thighs. No, he wanted it to rhyme with Heisman. So now it's been pronounced that the rest. He ended up winning the Heisman. But hmm. yeah. But yeah, so yes, uh, this cryptozoology is just the study of cryptids. Zoology stuff like that's super easy. Ichthyology is the study of fish. Mm-hmm. Herpetology is the study of reptiles and amphibians. Um, Oh, no, I'm forgetting the bird one. Uh, ornithology. Ornithology. Mm-hmm. Study of birds. Uh, but there's just, I don't know, mammals either. Anathology for every there is. sort of living is thing. It? Oh, no, this is study of life. What? Biology. Just, yeah. Oh, just flat out biology. biology. What's zoology? Life. Is that just animals in general? I think so. Okay. Just like living, not plants and stuff, just... Straight no, animals. Is, um, or zoology. No, uh, biology covers all okay. life. Uh, zoology is the study of the animal kingdom. Okay. Um, Dendrology is the study of trees. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Anyways, but yeah. So We're about all of our cryptozoology is, as of now, not classified as a, a science. It'd be classified as a pseudoscience, which I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying that is what it is kind of viewed at right now what is it not approved by academia yet yeah that's basically what it is you can't go get a you can go get a little course in it mm-hmm. but you can't they you can't go into to school it. to be a cryptozoologist as of now that i know of uh but that is kind of how it is viewed is just but cryptozoology itself is the study of cryptids or cryptic species mm-hmm. almost you'd have to lump a little bit of folklore in there too with cryptozoology yeah, yeah. you have to yeah Hmm. I think it's ridiculous. Not a fan of academia. But that's neither here or there. Let's move on. I'm not a fan either. (laughs) So, by definition, the cryptozoology is a pseudoscience which primarily looks at anecdotal stories and other claims rejected by scientific community, even though Justin doesn't agree with it being a pseudoscience. Hmm. I I said it is classified as a pseudoscience, but I don't think it should be. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think we all agree on that. Here. Mm-hmm. And then while biologists regularly identify new species following established scientific methodology, cryptozoologists focus on entities mentioned in the folklore records and rumor. Entities that are considered cryptids by cryptozoologists is like your Bigfoot, Yeti, Chupacabra, mm-hmm. Loch Ness Monster, the Jersey, Devi, Jersey Devi, the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devi, the new cryptid. Mokalium <laughs> and Bay. Um, scholars have noted that cryptozoology <laughs> is a subculture rejected by mainstream approaches from an early date 
and it adheres often to express hostility to mainstream sciences. Um, I think it's the other way around. Anyways. Mainstream science has hostility towards us. Pretty much. I, th- I think they definitely do, and I think maybe that's why. I think if, if you open the door to let this cryptid into mainstream science, it kind of throws off a lot of things that they uh, rely on. Mm-hmm. They're bedrock. It's, I, I think it's more nobody wants to stick their neck out because then if they're not right, they're the laughing stock. True. If you're the scientist that goes out, and Meldrum's probably the, uh, what is that, the exception. Uh, but yeah. if you're the scientist that sticks your neck out and says Bigfoot's real, you're, uh, a, you're the institution you're with will not like that. Because mm-hmm. unless you can prove something, mm-hmm. it looks bad on the institution that hire that has you on the payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's and, more of that. It just and then whoever funds them won't fund them anymore. Yeah, it just yeah. It's more. It's always more about the image and the money rather than the science and the truth of yeah. the matter. Yeah, which is sad. Everything has to pass through their filter. Mm-hmm. If it don't pass through their filter, it ain't real. In and their that's eyes. what we've talked about when we do the scientific paper episode. We're still got to do uh that a lot of scientists don't get to pick what they research mm-hmm. and stuff like that they, it's the institutions they work for the, it's whoever cashes their check or writes the check that they cash mm-hmm. uh picks kind of the field of study they want them to go into seems a bit backwards if you ask me it's it's a job yeah this is what i want you to research in mm-hmm. and i'm writing your i'm writing your check yeah and you got to do it so it's not that a lot of mainstream science avoids it. It just, there's no, as of now, there's no money in it. Hmm. It just seems like the best option for, in my opinion, for actual uh, discovery and crea- creativity comes from the individual, yeah. you know, exploring their own thoughts and ideas rather than being told what to do. So I don't know. Maybe that's just where I see the limitations there and it bothers me. No, I, I, it's not the best for discovery in all fields. Right. But for stuff like medicine and stuff like that, it's very directed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Food for thought. Mm-hmm. So what you got next? Um, well, I wasn't completely Oh, done, sorry. But it's okay. Um, <laughs> I just had the last blurb. It's just that those that have studied cryptozoologists and their influences, um, they usually include the Pseudoscience Association for the Young Earth Creationism. Um they note parallels in cryptozoology and other pseudosciences, such as ghost hunting, ufology, and highlighted uncritical media propaganda of cryptozoological claims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that everybody gets lumped in together. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's almost like it's done that to... Well, if you lump this all together, you can discredit it all together. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier mm-hmm. to get rid of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, once, like, once you're in that The group, UFO gets debugged. Now Bigfoot's debu- you know, mm-hmm. debunked because the UFO got debunked. It's n- even though they're not, they may not be connected in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, I agree. I think the only way they're the most connected is that they're denied anomalous phenomena. Like <laughs> there's always a pushback to the, all these things in that field. That's probably the, how they're the most related. Is they're treated the same. I think that was a blurry photo throwback I just did. Phenomena? I think so. Dave Stecco used to do that mm-hmm. a long time ago. One of our favorite podcasts a long time ago. The other co-hosts wrote, go, Anomalous Phenomena. <laughs> and he would keep saying it. It was like his catchphrase. It was just something he would... I He would do it every once in a while. 
I think he still does. David Stecco's not on there anymore. Well, I meant in like the later ones that he was on before yeah. he left. Hmm. And the last section on encrypted cryptozoology is who can be a cryptozoologist? The answer is anyone. As long as you have the heart and the dreams for it, you can do whatever you want. There you go. Yeah, I mean, really, you could slap cryptozoologists on a on a business card. <laughs> In your one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. There's no, like I said, there's no accreditation. True. So it's not like if you slapped, like I couldn't put uh, fishery, like I couldn't put anything like that on my card anymore. Oh, you because could. I'm not employed with it. I know but you don't. You're not a. You're not one if you're not employed with it. Well, you'd be getting probably in trouble. Yeah, you could do it. That's what I'm saying. It makes you look stupid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, because it's just like yeah, you can't you can't just slap zoologist on. I mean, you could I but could then s- somebody's going to ask for accreditation. And yeah, then you don't that's have where any. the problems come in. Yeah, I could slap a neurosurgeon on my resume. Yeah, and here's a here's a hammer and a screwdriver. Let's we'll see who hires it. me. <laughs> but yeah, anybody can be one. Pretty much, there's no qualifications. I was say pretty much. Who who's excluded? Or well, let me read my little blurb. Okay, rushing the process here. <laughs> there's no qualifications or certifications to become a cryptozoologist. They often need expertise in many different fields, such as biology, zoology, psychology, anthropology, and conservations. And probably most common, fish biology. (laughs) (laughs) Through our research. It's weird how many people (laughs) are in this field that have a fish background. Our fish, yeah, fish or salamander or... It's weird. Amphibious background, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's because there's no jobs in this field, so we have to <laughs> You end up here. You end up leaving. That's funny. Um, but having... Now you've distracted me. The background in these many different fields of ologies, um, it can help you understand the behavior and biology of certain cryptids, learning survival skills in order to study these cryptids, and then picking up skills to help hunt specific cryptids, um... For example, if you're interested in the orange pen deck of Sumatra, what? Orang a pen deck. Orang. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I don't enough. know. It's just me reading something. Orange pen deck. <laughs> that is very you. I just figured they left the E off, and I just wasn't going to mess with it. Because it's not the same word. Anyways. <laughs> you may want to learn... <laughs> It is funny. <laughs> it's not the same word. It is funny. But... I just figured they left letters off. Oh, man. You're ruining is, my episode. That's something I would do. No, it gives Orange a character. pen deck. It is something you would do a lot. I don't know. What is it? Orang pen deck? Orang yep. pen deck. It's mm-hmm. the little red man I was from... close. Yeah, you were. Papua New Guinea and all that area, right? Yeah, like Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd want to learn to speak Indonesian. Mm. Um, if it lives in the trees, you may want to practice tree climbing if you're trying to hunt said cryptid. What do you do if you want to catch an atmospheric jellyfish? That's a little harder. Oh, I've already got that yeah. planned out. I'll tell you later in the episode. Big net. Yeah, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Put a pin in it. We're uh, going to float a pig up there as bait. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it dissolve into nothing. Uh-huh. We got one. <laughs> 
You'd want to read field reports that other cryptozoologists have done on said cryptid that you're trying to find or do an expedition on just to learn from what they've already found and then to also add new to it if you find something new. Um, you want to learn what scientists said about, say about the cryptid itself if it's similar to real biology biology animals um you'd want to look into the folklore obviously just to get more of a background on the cryptid you're looking for you want to study the geography of the area that it lives in um and then after doing all your research for your expedition you'd want to create a document of all your findings, and then even investigate with locals or people in the area that have had said encounters or know more about the folklore and stuff about cryptids mm. that you're looking for. There we go. That's all I got on that. So that's like a basic quick rundown of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's why Emily wanted to do this, is just to explain what cryptozoology is. Mm-hmm. And now she's going to talk about one of her favorite cryptids. Squonk. Well, before I go on to the squawk, was there any, like, final words on cryptids, cryptozoology, being a cryptozoologist? No, I think you did a good job. (laughs) Use that button well. I do. I do. I guess if I have any comment to say, I want to learn all that stuff and get better at it. Survival, climbing trees, things like that, so we can really get our... Hands dirty with this stuff. You know, I won't name names of any documentaries or anything I've seen. But one thing is, like, you can tell some of these people don't have anything. Like, So animal behaviors is a course you take. Okay. Or it's a degree you can get if you really, if that's something you really want to specialize in. And then they talk about this, and there's, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, because an animal, if you're saying this is an animal, would not act like that. Right, yeah. Like, that is not... Well, maybe, maybe uh, just by knowing it, you know that's not something that normally happens. So, you know, by learning it, there's you're learning something mm-hmm. by finding something that's not what you learned. Does that make sense? Not at all, but it's okay. <laughs> so you learn about animal behaviors and stuff. Now you find something that doesn't have act like anything you've really even learned about, you know. Mm-hmm. So you've got, there's was, knowledge there. Or they're learning new stuff, too. That too, the people yeah. were more or less not accurately reporting behaviors because of their own uh their own maybe biases and stuff like that because they Mm -hmm. don't understand what they're saying Mm -hmm. that like it went over here because of this reason right yeah no no it didn't it went over there because you were not over there yeah that's that's a big one it went over there because there's people chasing it (laughs) not because it wanted to eat the guy's daughter yeah, we were three feet behind it, like, running it this were, thing down, trying ran. to catch it, and it just was running away. I shot at it, and it got real mean. It must have been pregnant. Yeah, there's <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. It's not even a joke. There is, like, there are weird things that some of these people say in some of these shows and TV stuff that are like, why? How, how do you think point A to point B? Like, that is not... There's no evidence for that. Right. They just claim it. Yeah. My favorite is when they dive into a bio leaves. Oh, almost at it. Just Oh my gosh, it. yes. Like, I won't say the show, but that's my favorite. Love you it. You should meet them next month. Oh, okay. I yeah. love it. I can't wait. Yeah. If not Crypticon. Definitely at Crypticon. They're always One at Crypticon. Day. One day. In November. 
This year? Oh, yeah, duh, this year. Coming up. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know. All right. Let's get into the squonk. The squonk. Right. You got to read its scientific name. Ooh. I'm going to butcher it. Everybody butchers scientific names. They're not real. That's why it's fun. So <laughs> They're not real. <laughs> the squonk. It's lacrimocorpus dissolvents. Okay. That's a pretty good shot at it. I think it is. I don't know. So it is a folkloric creature or fearsome critter reputed to live in the hemlock forest of northern Pennsylvania. Legends of the squonks originated in the late 19th century at the height of Pennsylvania's importance in the timber and hunting industry. Hmm. Um, in the heavily wooded region of northwestern Pennsylvania, known today as Cook Forest State Park, this squonk is typically described as being a four-footed creature roughly the size of a beaver or a possum with extensively oversized skin and dripping features. So it's like a big flabby beaver. Like skin flabby. Yeah. It's like, you know, the really wrinkly dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that, but beaver sized. Oh, what is that called now? I know what you're talking about. It has all the folds, like the mm-hmm. skin folds. Yeah. And it like it's escaping me, but looks like a hairless cat. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's kind of what the squonk looks like. Just uh, okay. smaller. Um and with it having thickly wrinkled skin, it's full of moles and warts. And according to legend, the creature is so ashamed of its inciting full appearance that it weeps constantly and attempts to hide itself as much as possible. Hmm. Um, they're commonly known to be nocturnal and reclusive, making their dwelling among the hemlock trees um, more suitable for them. These creatures tend to avoid human contact as much as possible, but due to their constant weeping, they leave a tear-laden trail of wet soil behind them, making them easy to track. Hmm. And then even though they're not known for their speed or quick-wittedness, they are still able to evade capture by dissolving into a bubbly pool of tears mm-hmm. when cornered. That's a good escape strategy. Yeah, cry and disappear. <laughs> um, You ever seen the movie Sky High? Mm-hmm. It's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. What was the one? Didn't one of them have a power where they turn into like a puddle or something? Yes. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. I forget the person's name, but. or they... So there are some uh, species that have kind of like biological suicide uh, to oh, kill yeah? predators. Like cane toads. Oh, okay, yep. Like they're toxic, but you got to eat them. So their goal is just to kill you so you don't eat any more cane toads. Yeah. So that's what I always thought about with that with the squonk is maybe the puddle's actually toxic. Oh, okay. So even though they're killing themselves, that their goal is to take you out so you don't hurt any more squonks. Right, yeah. Interesting. Ooh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Ready for the next mm-hmm. part? Yep. The uh, earliest known written account of the squonk comes from the book by William T. Cox called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods with a Few Desert and Mountain Beasts. It was written in 1910, and you can find it on Amazon for like seven dollars huh that's pretty old mm-hmm. over a hundred year legend and know. it's one of those books that it, like groups a bunch of creatures but it's, it's a collection book one mm-hmm. of the few that has actually squonk in it which we'll try to put the link in the description, description. yeah justin's real good wink, at wink, taking justin. care of that he won't be there <laughs> if not just put it in amazon squonk book it won't be there anyways <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Justin doesn't like my squonk. No, I don't dislike the squonk. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just going to say, no, I don't. <laughs> so, oh man, I'm just going to get a little bit into the legend I could find on him. And then 
go a little bit more into that book. Okay, go on. Okay. So the legend holds that the creature's skin is ill-fitting, covered with the warts, like we already talked about, being ashamed with its appearance. It hides from plain sight and spends most of its time weeping. Hunters who tried to catch the squonks have found out that the creature is capable of dissolving completely into a pool pool of tears and bubbles when cornered. A man named J.P. Wentling is supposed to have coaxed the creature into a bag of which he carried it home, and then it suddenly lightened the bag itself had, like, lost the weight. Weight, lightened in weight, yes. So upon further inspection, he found that all that remained was the liquid remains of the sad animal. The range of the skunk is very limited. Um, Most people outside of Pennsylvania ever heard of the squonk as being a quaint beast, which is said to be very common in the hemlock forests of that state. The squonk is very retiring, deposition generally traveling about twilight and dusk. Um, because of its skin being misfitting and the warts, it's always unhappy. Um, it's said that people who are able to judge, or, you know, by... It is said by people who are the best able to judge to be the most morbid of beasts. Mm. Hunters who are good at tracking are able to follow by its tear-stained trail from its constant weeping. So it's like a snail or slug trail or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when it's cornered, an escape seems impossible. Or when it's surprised, frightened, it dissolves in its tears. Um, Hunters are most successful at frosty moonlight night where the tear sheds slowly and the animal does just likes moving yeah. about. Basically, it starts freezing. Hmm, okay. Uh-huh. And then you can hear it weeping under the hemlock trees. Uh, let's see here. The Wentling ha- had a disappointing experience with a squonk near Mount Alto. He made a clear capture by mimicking the squonk, introducing it to hop into a sack, and then carrying it home and losing the creature into a puddle. Mm. So So, he actually had one. Yes. And then it went into a puddle. So that was kind of the legend slash... Classic squonk. Only... So what's the scientific ...sighting I could find. The lacrocorpus dissolvents. It's pretty good. Make her say it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stop it. No, I think it was pretty good. That's pretty good pronunciation. Basically, the scientific name, just say it confidently that's all you sound yeah. like a scientist right yeah mm-hmm. this is the uh something so-and-so yeah asapincer transmontanus did you think he saw us i love jurassic park <laughs> um, which fish is the asapincer transmontanus uh you... oh that's a lake sturgeon oh you're so close really it's white sturgeon oh i was pretty good you were so close i was gonna say air one uh, <laughs> no not bad the pincers. Uh. that's how it's pronounced it's weird <laughs> yeah, that's what we always mean that's what i think of uh, i don't remember the white surgeon's name but it's in the same family i would think it would have to be it's the same creature there, i mean there can be anyways it, we just nothing to get into all right so that's the <laughs> squonk is oh, I'm, you're not done? Almost done. Does it look like I'm... I got one more paragraph, and okay, then, then I got modern media of okay, the squonk. Okay, let's go. So, in the 2015 version of the Fearsome Creatures book, so there's mm-hmm. the original from the 
1910. And then yep. there was a 2015 version. It goes into that the squawk is physically and actually a pig covered in warts and has cauliflower ears covered in waxen hair. Its tusks are yellow and crooked and its roomy eyes weep constant tears. It has four legs, three and a half if its right hind leg is transparent. Its fearsome aspect is its contagious misery. Um, it says it lives in the, po- I'm going to butcher it, Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. Um, po- Pocono, right? Pocono. Yeah, that one. I just drove through there. And then John Paul Wentling, how Johnson's arch nemesis, tried to catch one, but the squonk had dissolved it, its tears to death. Um, the squonk's method of love and reproduction is binary fission in the scientific name, although this one says it's different than the, the one, name that one I had found. They change all the time. It's the, the Rusty's mm. lacrimosis. Oh, that thing. Mm. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Um, and then for modern showings and current media, the squonk gets a brief mention in Steely Dan's Any Major Dude Will, Will Tell You from 1974. Wow. And then Genesis actually has a song about the squonk. Oh, oh Phil Genesis, Collins. the band. I thought you meant Genesis, the book of no. the Bible. And I'm like, yeah. No, the band. I was like. In 1976, you know, they had a song to tribute to the squonk. Really? That's the name of the song? Um, I'm, I may link that. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Oh, I have to look that up. I, I like may Genesis. like that one. And it talks it's all weird. about the creature and his sad life. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought she was saying Genesis, the book in the Bible. Yeah. I'm like, I've read the book. I've read Genesis a lot. I don't think. I know when Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel were together, they were making some pretty progressive music, progressive uh-huh. rock. Whoops, sorry, just about pulled the yeah. desk over. But that's Phil Collins. It. Yeah, it's Tarzan. just called Squonk. Phil Collins, what? Tarzan. Yeah, he did Tarzan. Mm-hmm. I like Phil Collins. So the song is just called The Squonk by Genesis. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, I was interested by the binary fission reproduction. That's where they split in half, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to think. They probably think they're ugly enough to not... Ever find a partner. Find a partner. Yeah. So they they're probably... Do themselves. Just giant amoebas. They probably don't even look like what people are describing them. Yeah. They're just having trouble describing them. Ooh, what if it's an atmospheric jelly that came down and couldn't get back up and just... Started living. There you go. Wilted. Yeah. Like, the biggest single-celled organism never exists was like the size of a quarter. Oh, okay. That's pretty big. It's big. That's big, big for yeah. a single cell. Yeah, for a single cell. That's gigantic. Mm-hmm. There's a true giant. Oh, that could be an episode yeah. of a giant. I mean, that is that is monstrous when most of the time you can't see a single cell. <laughs> right, yeah. And mm. you got one the size of a quarter. That's in the fossil record. They mm. got outcompeted very fast. Oh, I bet. They weren't very efficient. They were probably pretty tasty. I bet you they were. I would eat a single-celled organism just to try it. Probably cook up like an egg. Hmm, maybe so. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the squonk, and that is what cryptozoology is. Anything else you'd like to add, Em? No. So do you think the squonk's real? No. Not at all? No. It was. It was a lumberjack myth. Just like Paul Bunyan, which is not real. Paul Bunyan was not a real person. We know that. Hmm. Uh, Says the skeptic. The babe with the big blue ox. I'm not very skeptical on a lot of stuff. I think it's. I think he was real. It's just an old legend story that gets retold I, through telephone. Anyways, to the squonk. Mm-hmm. 
I think they were. I can't remember when we did our squonk episode earlier uh, in the cryptid challenge. Mm. Uh, I found a reason or explanation for what they were finding these puddles of bubbles in the in their lumberland, and there's something that caused it, and that's what they just kind of created a story huh. to go along with that phenomenon. Interesting. But I can't remember if it's worms or slugs that are producing it. There's some kind of animal that breeds and creates these big foamy pits. It's probably how they, per, no, it's perspirate. No, it's a reproductive thing for an invertebrate. I know worms give off like a bunch of weird. But this is like enzymes. a pile, so it's like yeah. a big foamy pile, and then they would find them in the day, and be like, okay, well that's you know somebody scared a squonk there last night. Maybe it was an echinoderm. Is that what they're called? I make that word up. I think I probably made it up. I don't know what that is. What's what's the one thing they found in the sewers that was a big ball of bunch of ligakeet. What? An alligator worm. Sewer worm? That's not what I remember them being called. That does not sound familiar at all. And a kind of derm. Yeah, I, I don't that know sounds, what that is either. That sounds like an, uh, a crustacean of some kind. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, no, alligator worms or sewer worms. Um, now I can't remember the actual their actual species name. Mm. But ligakeets, yeah, nasty. Yeah, Poo worms. Could be them. Balled up somewhere under the soil. Uh, they're, no, they're water worms. Well, you know, a land version. Undiscovered. Just worms. Yeah, just worms. But no, uh, around here, we have little beetles in the bean fields in the summer that, uh, you ever seen the big foamy masses on the side of the beanstalks? Yeah. Yeah, those are beetles. Those little orange beetles? That's a beetle breeding. It causes those big foamy masses that look mm. like spit. That's gross. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You can have animals that you don't even see leaving stuff that are making these big piles of foam mm-hmm. i don't know i bet there could be some truth to him uh, to i it. think the squonk is fully made up i think it was a cursed human oh my gosh you're going back to the pig thing yeah well maybe not so much but it could be that kind of inspired it a little but it could be a cursed human you know they cursed a witch made someone so ugly that you know, they, maybe it was a beautiful woman at one point. Oh, there you go. And then a witch cursed her, and she's made to roam the woods of Pennsylvania, but she's so ugly now. That she has to dissolve in her own tears. Yeah, it's just so sad for her. She literally kills herself and then has to be reborn again and relive the curse and keep... So there you know. have it. The squonk is actually a stranded atmospheric jellyfish that is a cursed witch that is also a phoenix. <laughs> Mystery solved. Yep. I'm glad we put a nail on that one. <laughs> and then when we went to one of the... We met the lady at uh, Crypticon, and she said she was starting this book. And then she had it finished for the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. So if you would like Cryptid Comforts, or Lisa Russell, has a Why So Sad Squonk book. And it's more for kids, artwork-wise... I mean, it's a kid's story. I mean, it's a yeah. kid's book. It's basically kid's book. teaching you not to pick on people that are different. Mr. Squonk. It's got a dog man in it, too. He looks like fun. Yeah, because it's like the squonk wants to play with people, and then they don't want to play with him, and then the dog man comes. Would you want to play with play that? Together. Yes, I would. I wish they'd make kid's books with a little more, you know, backbone. Make the squonk not be such a... Such a sad, sap little creature. Make it more like Rambo. Yeah. Where's those kids' books? That's because it's not a kid's book. <laughs> Anything else, Em? Um, 
Let's write a kid's book about no. Bigfoot. There you go. That's all I got. Anything to add for this episode, Jay? Squonk. I do. I think it was. I think there might might have been some truth to it. There you go. Really do. I mean, everybody's wrong about something. Everyone, everyone can, can be. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so that was what a cryptid is. What is cryptozoology and the squonk by Emily? Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us this episode. This will probably just be like a bonus episode or something. I'll I'll figure out. How long we go? About forty minutes. Oh, okay. It's been a good discussion though. Yeah. I mean, it's good to get a baseline or a foundation. Yeah. For people, especially if they're just getting into it or they have an interest, but it's good to know where where to start with things. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like later in our season, oh. but because I don't know, I kind of feel like this is something you like start with, but we kind of thought of it just now. Well, it's good. We got new people joining every week, you know? Mm-hmm. We do. Especially on our Patreon, you know, that's growing fast. Yeah, you're really pushing that. Um, yeah. So if you're listening and you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we got... $3 a month. That's our minimum tier. I mean, if you just want to throw us a buck or two or three, I guess would it be each month, you know, just join there. We got extra episodes, uh, extra content, getting some deep dives and some real quote unquote controversial cryptic topics. So it's fun. We have a good time. All right. I've been the mysterious Justin. Mr. E. Mr. E. <laughs> and I've... Still feeling froggy, Jay. And I forgot what I said at the beginning. The so. squonky Emily. Oh, I'm the squonky Emily. <laughs> and together we are Crips of the Corn. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.